0: Hi, I'm so happy you made it back because we are ready to dish it out all over the Cleveland Strangler. This is Z, And this is Amy. And you're listening to Curse Words and Crayons Presents True Crime. Today we are discussing the life and crimes of Anthony Edward Sowell a.k.a. the Cleveland Strangler. He wasn't arrested as a serial killer until he was over the age of 50 and lived a couple of years after his arrest and sentencing to age 61. Anthony actually died in February of 2021. And I really, I hate to use the word excited, but I am excited to hear your thoughts on everything, Amy. So if you could get us started with the timeline of the Cleveland Strangler
1: gladly anthony Sowell was born in east cleveland ohio in 1959 he was one of seven children born to a single parent claudia gertrude garrison seven other children belonging to a family member who died of a chronic illness also lived in the household which if you're as bad at math as i am means that there were 14 children living in this house Throughout the rest of this case, we'll refer to his mother as Gertrude or Garrison, just FYI. So there's a lot of different names, a lot of last names, but she plays a not so cheery part in this story. Now this was an abusive household, not exactly a happy home. A social worker at Anthony's trial testified about his childhood based on the stories that were provided to her after he was arrested. She stated that their family had a history of sexual abuse and there were reports of promiscuity in regards to Gertrude, multiple absent fathers, and a lot of drug abuse when it came to the adults in the home. On top of the outside factors, there was also a slew of health problems and a whole lot of mental illness. So this house had it going on and not in a good way. So regardless of the laundry list of issues that the social worker was reporting on, she was there to make the point that this was the nightmare of a home and of a childhood. And it really, really was. So definitely Anthony didn't get started on the right foot, not to excuse his behavior, but he kind of had a really rough upbringing. According to Leona Davis, who was one of the children who lived in the home, Gertrude subjected the children to physical abuse While the other children or people in the house watched an example of this is when Garrison forced Davis to strip naked in front of the other children. Then whipped her with electrical cords until she bled. This happened countless times and the punishment was always for small instances that the kids literally did on a daily basis so like I'm sure if you have children, these are things your kids do every day, like leaving out dirty dishes. The punishment didn't exactly fit the crime. Sowell was heavily bullied by classmates when he was growing up, so he had a tough home life along with a really tough time in school. He seemed to be kind of a loner kid. A lot of sources say that he wasn't involved in sports or after-school activities. And it seems like other than his family members in the home, he had a really lonely childhood and he didn't have many friends. Based on the abuse recollection and the unstable home life, I feel like unfortunately, this is probably pretty common for kids in his similar situation. Not being involved in school, kind of isolating yourself, that kind of thing. So to make things just a tiny bit sadder, Anthony claims he was sexually abused growing up. The sexual assaults against him were never reported or documented other than what he told to the social worker. At the age of 12, Anthony began raping his niece on an almost daily basis for two years. He was 12, she was 10 years old. The sexual assaults reported by Davis also stated that other males in the household participated in the rapes as well. Leona Davis at the time tried to report the crimes to the authorities, but no one listened to her and her reports were fucking dismissed.
0: Okay, so when you say that the reports That Anthony gave about the sexual assaults to the social worker that was after he had already been arrested
1: as the Cleveland Strangler correct correct so he never reported them as a child so it says all this the research says that they were never documented or reported but they were just after he was an adult he never told anybody as a child
0: I just, I just wanted to make, to just to make sure um, that, that I was understanding that correctly. So yeah, all this is just like, and hearing about Leona, it's just, it's terrible. And it's really scary for me personally to realize that this kind of behavior towards children isn't a normal thing, but this is like something that happens all the time. There are people out there having children accidentally and like l- just abusing them on a literal basis. Daily basis for nothing other than their own like fucked up mental issues. I mean, and it it just it makes me super angry. I I have had several miscarriages and sitting and 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 listening about. This woman who took in other kids under her roof just for her to physically harm them, it, I, I cannot believe. And then she was able to have her own kids that she also, like, just completely, like, this is such an awful home. It It is disgusting. I know the real world is out there a lot. I know we talk about true crime, but it's very easy to be in my own bubble. And this is just a big fucking slap in the face, I guess, that this is this is a reality for a lot of people. And this is why we should give out free vasectomies to men starting at like age 17 because they're completely reversible and uh yeah this that would that would help with a lot of these unwanted children a lot of these uh instances in my personal opinion you know
1: so I 100% agree with you on this I feel like unfortunately taking in kids that are your like quote unquote blood is viewed as an obligation I feel like especially when you're dealing with like lower income families like I need to take in these kids I need to take care of them even if I'm not well equipped even if I'm overstressed even if I don't have the money even if I don't have all these things because they're blood and let's face it I know I can think of some blood relatives that I have that I wouldn't want taking care of my kids so I feel like when you look at the aspect of like well they're family so they should go with them I don't necessarily feel like that's always the best choice
0: I mean, for sure, for sure. But then why didn't she say no, 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 no. And have those kids enter the system. I'm sorry. Like, I know that sounds heartless or whatever. I'm not saying that they would do better in a foster care situation per se. I do know a lot of wonderful foster parents and foster families, though. Like, I I know so many great ones. But I'm not saying that the system's, like, a good place to be in. I'm just saying that they probably wouldn't have tied Leona up and beat her with electrical wires in front of people and then had her cousin or family member start sexually assaulting her in public in front of other people at age fucking 10 like I don't I don't see that necessarily have happening as much at least in the system maybe that's me being
1: ignorant I think there's no I think unfortunately because it unrolled the way it unrolled there's no way we could really know which would have been better i do feel like there are certain and i don't want to get into debate of foster care system like you said i feel like there are some really fantastic foster families out there but i also feel like there are a lot of people who abuse that system as well and who are not in it for the right reasons so whether or not this would be a good situation i'm not sure on January 24, 1978, Sowell was 18 and entered the US Marine Corps. He was in the service for seven years, and he actually did really well for himself during this time. He was respected, he had gotten promoted really quickly, and received several awards and accommodations. He received his GED while he was in service and was trained as an electrician. After an alcohol-related incident, he was demoted from sergeant to corporal, and then he was discharged after that time period. I've seen both that it was like an honorable discharge and I've seen some things that say he was just discharged. I couldn't quite find what he was discharged for. Did you see anything about that?
0: I honestly didn't look that far into it. I I thought I
1: saw that he was honorably discharged, but. uh... to be honest, I don't know much about the military and I don't really know the difference, but he was discharged from the military. Um, In 1989, Melvet Sockwell went to Anthony's home voluntarily. She was three months pregnant. When she attempted to leave the home, he bound her hands and feet with a tie and a belt, then gagged her with a rag. She told the police, he choked me real hard because my body started tingling. I thought I was going to die. Melvet did go to the police, like she mentioned, and he was taken to trial for this. He pled guilty and was charged with kidnapping, rape, and attempted murder. Anthony served 15 years in prison. And he was considered a low-risk inmate and was released from prison in 2005. Okay, I'm pretty
0: sure I know the answer of this. But what exactly is a low-risk inmate, especially with this dude? Because he now has a sex and abuse crime that he just committed. So
1: what's a low-risk inmate? Seems a little wacky, doesn't it? So a minimum risk offender or a low risk offender refers to a criminal offender who has lesser tendencies to re-offend and is of minimal risk to the community when they are released. So basically they're saying that this is like a first time offender, somebody who showed good promise or potential in prison, like they kept their head down, uh, they're more likely to have a community sentence. And when they're supervised in the community, they're watched less closely than like a high risk offender. So a high risk offender is somebody who assumes to be more likely to return to prison or require close supervision if they're on probation or parole. But spoiler alert, this asshole is not a low risk criminal. So this is not whoever made this decision <laughs> Obviously, checked the wrong box.
0: So, when, how, how long after he was discharged from the military did this happen? Wasn't it four years?
1: So, he was discharged from the military. Four years later, the incident happened. And then he served 15 years in prison, was released from prison as a low risk offender. So, basically, kind of just went back out into the world. So, when he was released, he rented the third floor of his stepmother's home. So his birth father, the woman that she that he had married, it was her home. He worked for two years after he got out of prison, but then he quit and collected unemployment. And to earn extra money, he would sell scrap metal. When he was working, he began a relationship with Lori Frazier, and she's the mayor's niece, y'all. Um, and that Guy is actually the mayor still today. He's the longest. He's the longest standing mayor in Cleveland. So
0: that's great. Wait, how, how, how long? I'm sorry. You said the year, but I just, just totally blanked out. What, what year? Like
1: early two thousands, like 2000 and like, well, like 2008 ish. Like, so 2005, 2008 was when they were dating. So she moved in with Anthony for several years, girls living in the house. She would often comment about the smell coming from the home, and Anthony would blame the smell on his stepmother. Eventually, his stepmother moved out. She moved into like a nursing home. And so then, when she's no longer around to be the scapegoat, he would blame it on a sausage factory that was kind of close by, and like the smells were coming from that. Frazier stopped spending time at the house in 2008. So around this time, Lori is no longer buying the story he's selling. She kind of starts to distance herself and she leaves. On September 22nd, 2009, Sowell invited Latundra Billups to his home for a drink. Anthony became angry and began choking, hitting, and raping Latundra until she passed out. On October 29th, police arrived at the home with an arrest warrant. He was not there, but was located and arrested two days later.
0: I'm not sure if you picked that up, but That was September 22nd when this happened. And they didn't go and investigate with an arrest warrant or fucking anything until October 29th. That is more than an entire month later. So he fucking choked her, raped her, and yet it still took the police over a a month to bring him in. After he had already served 15 years in jail for doing the literal The literal exact same thing to another fucking woman. I don't understand. Did the police ever say what took them so long? Or they're just like, oops, our bad. Or they didn't even say fucking anything. They probably didn't even acknowledge it. They were like, what? We we got out there on the 29th. That was the earliest we were available
1: to do our job. Right. This was our earliest possible convenience that we yeah could here. Um, and so now we're we're in 2009. Like you said, he's already served 15 years in prison. There's already been some other things that are like weird. People are reporting like strange smells. He is like passing it off as like nothing. There are other similar kind of mo things happening that you know up until this point. I mean, now we know he's killing these women and it's, you know, it's about to go down. But how it takes a month to do that. And he doesn't, it's not like he moved. He's not on the run. Uh -uh. He's still living in the same house, still up to his old tricks. Like there, this is, it's insane to me. And I really, we're going to talk later on a little bit about like some of the what the fucks in this case. But the main deterrent in all of these things is this was like east side of Cleveland. Nobody cares. About people that live in the East side of Cleveland, not to mention nobody cares about sex workers, drug addicts, or people who are not white on the East side of Cleveland. And that, Which, yeah, is- as
0: we go through his, like victim list or whatever, you will see that it is a recurring reoccurring theme that these are not white women in a low income area that um are known drug users or sex workers or are somehow less than people in others eyes or and law enforcement in that area's eyes, at least so. So the bodies
1: of two women were buried in a shallow grave in the basement and four other women were found on the third floor of the home and in crawl spaces. After digging in the backyard, investigators found three more bodies and partial remains of a fourth. This is the part, I mean, all of this is horrible, but this part for some reason just really makes my stomach hurt. A human skull was found in a bucket inside the house and that brought the body count to 11. Most of the victims were killed by manual strangulation and others were gagged or had ligatures on their body when they were discovered so they were somehow tied up or bound with some something. Sowell also raped three women during this four year stint luring them to his property with the invitation to smoke crack cocaine with him. Now at this point in time when he's when his shenanigans all started Crack cocaine in Cleveland was really on the rise. So, you know, at this point, we're now several years down the road, you've got a lot of drug addicts in the area that are looking for a fix. And so he is using that to lure women into his home. Most of these women were sex workers or women that the community just didn't care about. So it's just truly horrifying and it's disgusting. And along with the 11 victims who were murdered, there were at least three that they talk about that where there was rape, but I believe when he, when the case was testified that they had five that had actually ended up coming forward. It's
0: the it's the bodies in the crawl space for me. I
1: just can't
0: the fact that, and that's really disrespectful to their remains. To just throw them in a fucking crawl space and leave them there and then just the fact that your give a fuck is so low that you're like you know what i'm just gonna lay this fucking dead body in my attic and let it rot with that okay look homeowner here would that not, depending upon, okay, unless the crawl spaces were somehow right on top of the foundation, so there didn't need to be any, like, wouldn't that rot through wood? Wouldn't that somehow, in some way, shape, or form, like, you don't, wouldn't that, like, it, d- you said he lived on the
1: third story. So before his stepmother, Went into a nursing home. He was just on the third floor of this house, and that's where a good chunk of the bodies were found. And let, you know, I'm ass- I'm assuming after she moved out, he just like you know, spread the bodies to all over the house. So you would think that that would fuck with the with the with the integrity of the structural
0: portion. Blah 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 of the home because it would like there's bugs. So then the bugs are eating the wood, and then there are like fluids and so like you can't have wet stuff on your floor for and then right. there's like the acids of your stomach and stuff I mean I know that uh, but to me it, w- it would be like why would you why would you do that to your home like that he just, just
1: he doesn't seem to have a very high regard for like where he lives but also and I don't know, maybe after 11 people, I mean, we talk about, we talked about this when we talked about the Candyman case a lot, like probably start to learn a little bit about how to properly dispose of a body so that like yeah, their fluids true. aren't soaking everywhere. But even if you wrapped them in like a plastic, like some sort of like tarpy plastic, that's not going to last forever. Or maybe well, it is.
0: Eventually I do It's, it's going to have to go somewhere or you burn the house down. Like that's, those are the options.
1: I picked Which up. R- was why he eventually moved to putting them like outside and in the basement yeah. and all those places yeah. where like it because maybe it did
0: horrible.
1: because when there's there are times when Lori Frazier is recounting like when she lived there where she said she would find like holes in the wall and blood on the floor and things that he would just say like, Well, I got in a fight or there was an intruder there he always seemed to have an explanation for it and to me i feel like those are not good explanations but also i'm not in that situation i guess i don't know i think about the crawl spaces in my house which now makes me like want to go check all the crawl spaces in my house i live in kind of like an older house and we have like i know there's one in the attic there's like there's one up on the second floor there's one above the garage we have several in the basement we don't have anything in so i mean i think it's like i really needed to put a body somewhere like those the one in the basement is probably where I would put it because it is right on the foundation the third floor concerns me but also like the head in the bucket where did the rest where's the rest of that body why do you still just have the head and why is it in a bucket why is it inside wouldn't you want to dispose of that I guess so nobody can like there's no chance of somebody coming across it if it's not like outside don't know. I don't know
0: and these poor fucking women that he just lured into his house I can't even imagine you know how terrified they must have been when they found out what was happening.
1: I was listening to a case the other day that was not related to this case so I won't go into the case itself but they were talking to an ex-sex trafficked woman and she runs some sort of organization where she helps women get out of situations like that and she was saying like, you know, when you're a sex worker or you're a drug addict or there's something that, you know, is you've got some obstacles to kind of overcome. The person who is promising you these things could be like a boyfriend, could be somebody who's like, listen, I can get you out of this situation or listen, I, I have your next fix. And your ability to like stranger danger just goes away. Like you're so fixated on getting out of that situation, getting your next fix, whatever it is that you can't even Where like a, where if you were in like just a typical low stress situation, you're going to be like, nah, dude, I'm not interested in walking into your creepy house. That's literally falling apart because of body fluids. Like that's not for me, but they don't have like your brain can't filter that out. And like, so how sad, like it feels so much more. I feel like when we talk about cases that have to do with like sex workers, drug addicts, children, like the, the vulnerable population. It's like worse. Like, I mean, don't, don't abduct and kill anybody, but leave the people that can't really defend themselves in the moment by themselves, okay? At
0: the time of his arrest, Sowell was 50 years old and he was held on a $5 million bond. His trial was originally supposed to start on June 2nd, 2010, but was repeatedly delayed. First to September 7th to give his attorneys more time to prepare. Then to February 14th, 2011, then to May 2nd at the request of his attorneys who needed more time to examine the thousands of records and hours of surveillance video footage shot from the property next door to Sowell's, and later to June 6th at the request of the prosecution due to scheduling conflicts, which is a long way to say that the trial officially began on June 6th. 2011. On November 5th, 2009, two of the 11 African American women victims were identified. The first was Tanya Carmichael. She was a 53 year old who had disappeared more than a year earlier. Her body was found buried in his backyard. She appeared to have been strangled and was identified through the use of DNA evidence. Her mother had reported her missing in December 2008. Tanya was described as someone who just really loved life. She was a joy. Someone who wanted something and would find a way to make it happen. Tanya was a mother. She was someone's daughter. And one of her daughters ended up dying a couple months after her remains were found. So this this is a family that... Knows of extreme loss. The second victim was identified as Telesia Fortson, a 31-year-old who had disappeared five months earlier. Although she had been missing since June, her mother did not report her missing until she heard the news coverage regarding the dead bodies discovered in Sowell's home, as Telesia was known to run away in the past. Maybe her mother just assumed the police didn't wouldn't listen or maybe she just knew deep down something had happened to her daughter this time and didn't know how to verbalize it. Either way, Telicia was just really trying to find a love. A family friend, Deborah Williams, was quoted as saying, I think that if she would have just found the love she was looking for, she wouldn't have been in that house, which <laughs> insane. That's from her friend. Okay, on November eighth, two 2009, three days later, Three more bodies were identified. Crystal Dozier was a 38-year-old who went missing on May 2007. She was the mother of seven children, and she lived in the area where her body was discovered. Her family reported her missing to the Cleveland Police Department. This was not the first time she had gone missing, and the family accused the police of failing to investigate. The family took it upon themselves— To post flyers and to call hospitals, Um, obviously all of their effort was in vain until they found the bodies. um, And so was home. Amelda Amy Hunter was forty-seven, a beautician and mother of three. She did not live in the area where her body was found, but she did visit frequently. A previous injury left her unable to use one of her arms. Her family did not report her missing until after the police began removing bodies from Sowell's home.
1: I just think it's so hard because all of these women, like, there's such a theme. Like, mm-hmm. well, she'd gone missing a bunch before or, well, she was, you know, we went to the police and they didn't do anything about it. And, like, mm-hmm. like, some of these women, like, Crystal went missing in 2007 and they didn't find her body until 2009. So... All of those years, I mean, and I don't know if they, I'm sure they did pinpoint like her, her time, you know, her date of death, like through, you know, the research and, uh, you know, as they are kind of discovering the bodies. But still, it's, it's just so hard that she had been gone for all those years and like, they didn't know what happened to her. It just, it breaks my heart. Michelle Mason,
0: 45 was last seen in October 2008. She lived in the area where her body was found. According to records, the police conducted a full investigation when her family reported her missing, which makes her the only person in this entire victim list that the police took a report for and then actually ended up following through with it. (laughs) Records of missing persons going back to Sowell's June 2005 release from prison were searched and DNA testing was conducted on the bodies found at the house. Protesters holding posters of missing loved ones gathered outside his home at the time. East Cleveland police also reopened several cold cases from the 1980s. The murders by strangulation used a similar style and had stopped around 1989. Amy, how do you pronounce that?
1: Modus operandi?
0: Or somebody email us at cursewordsandcrayons at gmail.com. And tell us how to pronounce this. I will put it in the episode notes and everything. But um, it's basically the style of his crimes. No, the like the way that he strangled them. Correct. Yeah. So there's like a fancy fucking word for it. It's in our notes. Um, Which that'll if you're say... a Patreon, it'll be in the notes over there too. But yeah, it's this fancy fucking not this fancy way, but he strangled people in this in the same way, and it had stopped around the same time that Sowell was arrested in in 1989. The FBI at the time was gathering information to see if Sowell might have been linked to unsolved cases in the cities
1: where he once lived. All the remains were eventually identified. And here's a little bit more about the five other women we have not yet mentioned who died at the hands of Anthony Sowell. LaShonda Long, a mother of three, was last seen on August 28th. An aunt called Long strong-willed and sassy in an interview but drugs became a prominent part of her niece's life. Long was only 24 at the time of her death and the youngest of Sowell's victims. Authorities only recovered her skull at the scene. The rest of her body remains missing.
0: Oh, she was the skull in the bucket.
1: She was the bucket. Despite struggling with drugs, Kim Smith took meticulous care of her disabled father, making sure he got to doctor's appointments and cooking and cleaning for him. Friends who last saw Smith on January 29th, 2009, three days before her 44th birthday, described her as an artsy person who enjoyed singing. She was not reported missing until after the bodies were discovered in Sowell's home. After spiraling into a world of drugs, Nancy Cobbs ended up spending some time in prison. Later, believing she hadn't been the best mother, Cobbs devoted her life to her five grandchildren. At some point, she befriended Sowell, who lived in the same neighborhood. The family knew of him but didn't consider him dangerous. Cobbs was 44 when she vanished in April of 2009. The family filed a missing persons report, searched abandoned buildings, and posted flyers. Six months later, her body was found in Sowell's home.
0: I think this is the worst one for me, personally, because she, like... You know, hadn't been the best mom, wanted to be a great grandma, befriended a dude in the fucking neighborhood because, you know, whatever. Like, the family even knew
1: about it. A lot of the reports of people saying, like, there's some weird smells coming around in this neighborhood. And if somebody would bring him up or suggest him, they were like, no, he's, like, great. He's fine. He sticks to himself, whatever.
0: And I don't mean this to sound like shitty okay people can be better people you can go to prison you can come out and you can do amazing things okay so i'm not here to like but he had been to uh, but rape to me is something different so he had gone to prison for rape and assaulting a woman all together in the same thing that to me screams like bad person right because violence and sexual things at the same time that normally means something it something's off in your brain you know that violent violence shouldn't you know cue an erection just like right. that's not how you should be getting off you know if if it is like maybe you need to talk to somebody um it's that's not that's right. not it right okay so no the police can't automatically say, oh, it can't be this dude when he, I mean, no, he hadn't murdered anybody that they knew of because who know what the military covered up? I don't know.
1: His charges for the original offense were kidnapping, rape, and attempted murder. Mm-hmm. So rape is bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think we can both agree, not a good thing. But anytime you're tying that with kidnapping, holding somebody against their will, premeditated other things. I'm going to kill this person. I'm holding them against their will. I'm doing these things. Like, that to me doesn't spell low offense. Like, that to me doesn't spell low risk. I would think he would have some sort of parole officer, somebody that's at least watching his actions when he gets out. So all of these things, and then everybody just kind of thinks he's this unassuming person. Does nobody in the neighborhood know that he had gotten out of prison? Like, all these... And I feel like this is a neighborhood that like, he probably, I'm sure he wasn't the only person that was in prison. Like, don't you think he would be just the slightest bit cautious? So we have two more victims to kind of discuss. um, And I want to make sure that they get their time because it's so, it's, it sucks that we're giving them the time they deserve after the fact. So people remember Janice Webb as the family jokester who enjoyed pulling pranks but in 1995, after a trip to Los Angeles, her life took a dark turn. She began using drugs and spent time in and out of jail for various crimes. Even as she battled her addiction, according to her sister, she was the one who kept the family together. 48-year-old Webb disappeared on June 3rd, 2009. Her family reported her missing about a month later. Investigators found Webb's body inside Sowell's home. And finally, Diane Turner. A mother of six, battling a drug addiction for most of her life. She entered multiple rehabilitation programs and off and on remained clean and sober. Despite her illness, she knew that she was a good person. Sowell murdered 38-year-old Turner in September 2009, making her his final victim. Authorities discovered her body on the third floor of the serial killer's home, Her remains were among the last to be identified because of the broken relationship she had with her family. Five rape victims also stood up during Soell's trial to speak on their own behalf.
0: After his conviction in December 2011, his former residence at 12205 Imperial Avenue was demolished on the order of city leaders. He was incarcerated at the Chillicothe Correction Institution on January 21st. 2021, he began receiving end-of-life care at the Franklin Medical Center in Columbus
1: for a terminal illness.
0: He died on February 8th at the franklin medical
1: center so for those of you that don't know the franklin medical center is part of the ohio department of rehabilitation and corrections so if you are from the columbus area or you've ever driven through columbus it's located right off the highway and you can actually see it from 71. it looks like a jail facility like you would think it would look with like the barbed wire fences and the whole thing but it's right off of the highway there and they have a medical center inside that prison so like Anybody receiving end-of-life care or medical care in, like, the Ohio area can go there if they're in prison and they receive their care there.
0: So that ends the timeline for us of the uh, Cleveland Strangler. Those are all his victims, all 11 of them. And that was, you know, uh, basically the overview of Anthony Sowell's life and crimes. Um, And there's just a couple more things that I want to talk a little bit more In depth with you, Amy, before we sign off on this. Okay, so the mom had like seven million kids, like 14, living in the house. We know that seven of them, including Anthony, were her children, right? Biologically hers. Correct. There's some conflicting counts, though, on who the other seven children belonged to. Um, Amy and I both saw Anthony being referred to as Leona Davis's uncle mm-hmm. and also as his cousin.
1: Correct. And in some of the instances, it said that it was Soell's sister's children, which would make him the uncle. But in some instances, it referred to the children as Gertrude, who when we say mother, that's who we're talking about, his mother, Um that that she was the aunt so that these were like her nieces and nephews or great nieces and nephews so I'm not sure if that means there were all seven of the extra quote-unquote kids didn't belong to the same person or there was just a lot to kind of keep track of and I know that not even at all times were all of Anthony's siblings living in the house. It's just yeah. a lot. So if you have any insight on this or you know anything about that, shoot us an email. I'd love to understand that family tree a little bit better because it is very, it's a lot.
0: I, I really think that, Leo, I really think that the seven other kids were Gertrude's sister's kids because nowhere in anything that I read called Gertrude, the grandmother of those seven kids. They only said that um, they were her nieces and nephews. That's all I ever read. I never read anything saying that Gertrude was the grandmother, which if it was Anthony's sister, unless it was Anthony's stepsister, but then she would be the step grandmother and i didn't hear anything about steps anyways yeah send us an email if you can um configure this out for us or, yes. or help us out with with the with the family I'm tree like web for sure yeah,
1: yeah. So um, another point is he had only lived in the imperial house for four years. The 11 bodies were found there, but he had only been there for four years. And that was like two. He moved in there after he was released from prison. So that means that he potentially had killed other people that maybe we don't know about. I mean, there was time when he was in the military where he was living all over the place. There was time... There was even a, a couple of short since of time where he was married. He has children that they don't really talk a lot about in his like backstory, I'm sure, for good reason, to keep those kids kind of protected. I mean, they're not little kids anymore, but I don't know. They're, to me, that's just such a crappy unknown. I know they had talked about other cases that they were cold and they had opened. I don't know that he was ever fully convicted of anything outside of that. but i mean
0: at this point he's fucking dead anyways so like which man he should have suffered for longer in my opinion but i mean who am i i'm not the universe so right for like two years he also had a live-in girlfriend i can't get over the fact that somebody lived in that house with him with like bodies decomposing we had a rat one time die in the vents Somewhere at our old house, right? Like in the attic maybe of our old house. It was fucking awful, Amy. For like two or three weeks. You know, I'm an essential oil fiend. And I'm like really good at making smells go away. My house always smells on fucking point. Like at something that I'm very like, it's my thing, right? Even even before I did essential oils, I had fucking candles everywhere. Used to spend thousands of dollars on candles. Like whatever, I want my house to smell good. So, nothing that I did. Nothing nothing that I did put like a damper really on that smell like occasionally for like 30 minutes I'd be like oh that's not as bad except for like I'd have to open the windows or open the doors um I cannot imagine if it was like a whole ass body how she could live in that house with him and not be like Anthony I'm sorry sweetie we've got to fucking move there's something about I cannot the smell we cannot be here I can't be here or that
1: you wouldn't go investigating that? Like well, my
0: parents... I mean, I might not. I might not because when actually when I met Roberto, Roberto and his parents lived in the same house. Like Roberto had bought this house and then he moved out with a girlfriend. So he gave his parents the house and then they moved in and then he moved out of said girlfriend's house or apartment or their shared apartment or whatever they had. And moved back in with his parents because he's like, fuck it, you know, whatever, why not? Um, and I wouldn't have gone through that house out of respect for my now in-laws. So when we first started dating, my husband lived at home with his parents (laughs) and we, he
1: was fucking 30. (laughs) I mean, live your life, Roberto. I
0: mean, he did own the house, and it was a series of incidences, and and honestly, it did just make sense. He was never home, so Mm. it was like, who cares where you—I don't know, but still, yeah, it's— I
1: just feel like if I was living there, though, like, so let's say you were living in the house with Roberto and his parents. I might have looked. Wouldn't you look—like, my parents moved from my childhood home to a different home when I was, like, in college— and during that time, my dad built a bunch of rooms in the basement so that, like, we could all have a place to stay when we came home because we were all, like, pretty young. Yeah. Well, one of the walls he built still had space, like, on the top. And a mouse had gotten in and died. It was the grossest smell ever. I mean, a mouse, yeah. a tiny mouse. So you think about yeah. a rat and a mouse. They're small. Yeah. This guy had 11 bodies in this house. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. not all at the same time, but eventually at the same time, at the end, they were all 11 there. I just can't imagine even if I, I don't know, I feel like even if I was just at like a friend's house and it was so bad that it's like distracting and then you see blood everywhere that isn't getting cleaned up clean clean it up. The therapy that woman probably has to go through at this point is just like astronomical, but also I don't know and I feel like if you decide not to investigate, how shitty do you feel after that that you didn't investigate that because then you kind of feel like you're to blame which It's not like you could have stopped. I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of thoughts.
0: If she dated him, though, she might not have the best track record with men. So I'm just saying. Very true. Very true. You know? So
1: maybe, but like, I
0: don't know,
1: maybe this was.
0: I'm not saying that she still didn't need therapy or that this wasn't super fucked up or any of that
1: stuff. I'm just saying. She probably has also dated some other characters in her life. Some not-so-great people. Speaking of dating, Anthony had joined a dating site after he had gotten out of prison, and his bio said that he was a master looking for a submissive to train. There's something to me about that. We talk about this a lot. Whatever your kink is do it responsibly. Like, I'm cool with that. You want to do whatever you're into the BDSM, you're into all that stuff, like, cool, do it responsibly. But I feel like there should be some sort of restrictions when it comes to putting your information out there for other people. I don't know, it doesn't feel safe to me. And like, to now look back and see like, oh, what you're actually looking for is people to murder. I'm just... I'm glad I don't have to online date. I don't know. It just just... doesn't feel right that he was looking for a
0: submissive to train when he had assaulted that woman and basically tried to kill her. Like, obviously, he wasn't playing by the BDSM rules. Like, that's not how a BDSM relationship works. That's how a fucking
1: murderer works. So... And And I don't have a parole officer. And if you do, I'm really, truly interested. Or if you know somebody that does... Can you be on a dating site? And also, wouldn't your parole officer check that? Or shouldn't somebody be checking into what you're posting on the internet?
0: I mean, I think it's okay. Not for this guy. Okay, fuck this guy. I think it's okay to get on a dating site after you get out of prison. Like, who the fuck cares? Like, everybody needs some loving, right? Everybody. You know, there's a person out there for everybody. We don't know what they did. We don't know what kind of situation they were in to to, to have to do what they did, blah, 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 right? Like, every, everybody's got their own circumstances. I'm just saying that it just, just, the fact that he said, oh, I'm a master and I'm looking for a submissive to train, that is the reason why I personally am like, this is not okay. The fact that he joined a dating site, like, oh, okay, okay. I mean, he was in prison for 15 years. He served his time. The legal system said that he, you know, who are we? We are not the legal system. That's what it's there for, you know. And again, people are put not that this guy is one of them. He is not one of them. He did all these things, but people are put behind bars for all sorts of things. Like how how many people are in prison right now for freaking marijuana charges in states where marijuana is now legal, and you know their charges are longer than rape victims. And and so there there are all these things, right? That that can lead into it. Like, again, if he was a white man, would he have gotten 15, 15 years for like one rape charge and assault charge? Maybe not. Maybe he wouldn't have, if this wasn't East Cleveland and like a drug kind of induced, uh neighborhood, would he have gotten 15 years again? Maybe, maybe not. Um, so, and, and, and we, you know, and I'm sure those people get out and eventually get married. Like, Upsy Rose, she's engaged to be married, what, this year, next year? So these are things that happen, okay? Like, if somebody wants to love him, it's not me, and that's okay. I'm good with that. It's 100% not me. I'm not signing up for that shit. But again, he shouldn't have been able to, like, I, I don't know, search for... Uh, I just anybody in the BDSM community that's just such a violation of what they stand for and it makes me mad it's upsetting
1: I'm not saying he shouldn't or people I'm gonna leave him out of this equation because I don't feel like (laughs) I don't feel like when he was released from prison that they should have been like, go out into the world, you're reformed, because clearly he was not. But I feel like people can be released from prison, be reformed, be ready to lead a life. And I do feel like people are put into prison for some really dumb things sometimes. So I do think that they should be able to date and live a normal life and go on and move on with their life. You served your time. You did, you know, you did your penance. So now you should be able to move forward. But- what I'm saying is, so like comparing it to like my children, if my child is taking a marker and drawing on the wall, am I going to hand that child back that marker and say, okay, you you said you're sorry and you're going to move on and I'm just never going to look and see if you've drawn on the wall again? No, I'm going to go and I'm going to check and make sure you're not doing those things because that's my job as the person who's making sure you're following the rules. So I feel like if somebody is released from prison, and I'm not saying forever and eternity, you sh- you never get to do anything in private. I'm just saying maybe a quick little gander. And so maybe somebody looks at that and says, mm, that's not something that I think you should be posting online about right now after being yeah. released from jail for raping, kidnapping, and attempting to murder somebody. Yeah. Could you
0: imagine, like, the death toll if he wouldn't have been behind bars for those 15
1: years I think that the death toll is higher than it actually is used to be. And I think because he's dead now that they just are kind of letting what happened happened. And then just chalking up those cases as like cold cases, which I think is really sad, but I agree. There were 15 years that (laughs) drug addicts and sex workers were a little safer on the streets. Like, and that sucks. Like that's, it's so hard to differentiate. It sucks that he got 15 years for something that a white man could have potentially gotten zero time for. It is also necessary in this situation because he murdered 11 people after he was released from prison. So there's just a lot of things that are like, oh, this really goes against what I usually say when it comes to these circumstances. But I agree. 15 years is a long ass time to be in jail for one incident, but it's like, there's conflicting information. It was like, we're gonna keep you in here for 15 years, but then we're gonna release you and we're not gonna look at anything. We don't care. Once you're released, go with God. We're not even gonna, we're not gonna check up on you. You're a low risk person now, goodbye.
0: His lawyers at one point tried to say he did not receive a fair trial because of the extensive media cover co- coverage. Um, They said that the media attention was overwhelming, generating thousands of news stories, and local coverage was both frenzied and sustained. That the courtroom had been closed to the public during an evidentiary hearing and while a jury was... Which I just think is... Oh. Sorry. (laughs) So unfair.
1: They found bodies in his fucking house. But let me reiterate, your lawyers are saying that you received lousy legal representation. That's not exactly, I wouldn't say that about yourself, friend. You're great legal representation. Don't say that. But also, isn't that what most, isn't that, if you're talking about a big case, isn't that what is usually claimed? Like, oh, the media did this, which don't get me wrong, media. Sometimes you do stick your nose in there and you're, a little like too scott nosy Peterson. nelly yeah
0: like scott peterson's case where they couldn't let any justice even carry out okay but this guy they found fucking bodies rotting in his house <laughs> i'm sorry no no you he can't was the exactly only say. one living there
1: right and you can't exactly say oh that's not fair no that's fair no it's it's fair <laughs> like, yeah the media was involved but he killed 11 women like
0: and they had video surveillance from one of his neighbors like so he couldn't be like you know what i think somebody from the sausage factory actually snuck into my house at night and hid bodies all over this place and it i officer officer look at me look at me it i'm not the culprit and uh, we need to we need to branch out. We need to do a larger investigation. Like, no, they were found in his house. There was video surveillance. Like, you cannot tell me that he did not have a fair trial. Like, there was a fucking skull and a bucket in his house. Like, no, he did it. He got it. it he didn't need a trial. Like, he needed a trial because, like, we got to do that. He did not need a trial. Fucking rot your ass in jail.
1: Right. <laughs> the old sausage factory trick. The oldest trick in the book. <laughs> like, what... <laughs> That's just insane. So alongside that same information, Anthony is also said to have suffered from OCD, PTSD, a cognitive disorder, irritability, which same, buddy, and dissociation. So you might be wondering what a cognitive disorder is. It has to do with like dementia, amnesia, delirium. So these are pa- often patients who are no longer fully oriented to time and space they can be temporary or progressive so sometimes it it remains the same all the time or it could be something that's getting progressively worse now based on his background his childhood other instances mental illness issues happening in his life seems on par but i just kind of similarly to like the Candyman case i don't feel like we should just be allowed to say like oh He was sick, so he should murder everyone. You know,
0: just because you have a mental disorder doesn't mean it's okay to murder your neighbors. I'm here to say it. Listen to us. Live it. Love it. Learn it. Or learn it, live it, love it. Love it. Love it. Learn it, live it.
1: (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) But agreed. Right. Don't murder your neighbors if yeah, you learn not nothing nice. else from us today don't murder your neighbors it's just yeah. not nice
0: don't just don't murder people at all unless it's to slightly poison your partner to death you know
1: <laughs> we all have exceptions folks and ours around here is poison so <laughs> husbands it's which our is husbands. a joke 100 percent. so this is for legal reasons this is a joke right it's not, <laughs> it's, 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 it, like I'm not going to kill him, okay? It's just I might be not nice behind your back, but I'm not going to kill you.
0: I might put weird stuff in your food, you know, that (laughs) gets you heartburn. You know, like sometimes I'll sneak some extra chili peppers into Roberto's stuff. He loves spicy things, but now we're old. And so it gives him heartburn. Oops, sorry, put jalapenos in this shit. (laughs) That's how I poison him. What up?
1: (laughs) You are sneaky minx. Look at that. I'm like,
0: uh, no, I'm glad we were able to laugh some of this case off before we go because, man, this was like—I spent, I think, like two days, like really deep in the research, where I didn't move from my bed for like eight hours each day, and it—it it was a lot. And I didn't even—I um, didn't even finish the book that I wanted to read all the way. It was too much. It was—it was. This case is very. It's very heavy and it's very discouraging because, like, here recently, I feel like 2005, it, it, literally yesterday, like, I mean, I, that's, I remember 2005. I was there. I was around. So, it just, it feels closer for whatever reason and, yeah, this case, this case is just, this is fucking fucked.
1: Yeah. Agreed. I don't have anything else to say about this case, except for I'm sad that these particular women were targeted in the way that they were targeted. And I'm sad that nobody took it seriously enough to look for them, even if, even if it wouldn't have saved their life for whatever purpose or reason, like the fact that they were just dismissed and it was chalked up to the sausage factory which sorry sausage factory i'm sure your sausage is delicious sorry that you're now associated with the dead body but something else that i did want to mention before we wrap up is and it's supposed to happen this month and i don't have confirmation as to whether or not it has so if you do know let us know and we will update y'all uh the house was demolished on imperial avenue and they're putting in a memorial garden for the 11 women that died so i think that is doesn't solve the issue but I do think it is a lovely way to remember the victims by taking that awful place and turning it into something. Beautiful. Agreed.
0: And this episode's coming out in November, which te- uh technically we're filming this recording this at the very very tail end of October to just try to like be on top of things so we can provide you episodes when we have promised to provide you episodes. But um the memorial was slated to go up in October. So, yeah, we should we should know by the time this this episode comes out, whether it's up, we should, yeah, we should be able to see photos of it and stuff. So maybe Mm -hmm. that'll be part of the Patreon notes that I leave for our peeps is, um,
1: a picture of it. I would love to get some photos. So if you are in the Cleveland area and are able to snap photos, let me know. I might make my poor unsuspecting mother drive by because she works in the area sometimes. So, um, but that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We know that your time is valuable and we feel really honored when you decide to spend any of that time with us. We appreciate you flying A and Z airlines. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, we would <laughs> love to see you involved in our community online. On Instagram, you can find us at crayons on Patreon, and we also have a Discord group. Uh, if you need someone to chat with, you are feeling sad about these cases, You want to talk about stuff other than crime. We also have kids and we like to talk about those things too. So we always have a listening ear for you over at cursewordsandcrayons at gmail.com. Have a great day. Don't talk to strangers. And we will talk at you next time. Goodbye.
0: Bye.